Hello and welcome again to Film Insights. And what is I'm, Film Insight? I guess Film Insight is a show about the film industry for film industry people, isn't it? We uncover the mysteries of the film industry. Oh, we uncover the mysteries of the film industry? I suppose that's one way to put it. That's kind of a weird, catchy, it is. rhymy it, sort of thing. Of, it is. We, and we particularly focus on the business side. Yeah, definitely. So who do we got today? Well, we've got us first. I think oh, we well. might, yes, there's First that. and foremost, there's the, the two of us. And yes. they're not just going to listen to you and me. They're j- not just you know, going to listen to Ben and Randy. No, they're not. We've got Jim Cummings of Ornana Pictures, and he's a speaker at South by Southwest. Fantastic guy, even better conversation. Yeah, Uh, and he's not just a speaker, he's a filmmaker in his own right, and I think he's going to be a really interesting person to pay attention to, and he's our first fan listener interview. I think that's remarkable, so uh, time time to join our talk with Jim. With us is Jim Cummings. Jim is a speaker at South by Southwest, head of Ornana Films. And beyond that, I will let him introduce himself. Um, well, first and foremost, I'm an avid podcast listener, so I'm one of you guys' followers. I think that's probably the most important thing about me. After that, I'm an independent producer. I've been producing films for the last eight years. Jeez, has it been that long? I've been doing this for, yeah, for almost a decade, and I went to Emerson College and then made some friends that were animators and independent filmmakers and started a startup called Ornana, which is an animation and feature film company, mainly animation. And we went to South by Southwest a couple of times with a few short animations. I've been lucky enough to speak there twice about the future of the film industry and the problems in the current film industry. I also started a viral video company called Unison LA based in North Hollywood about a year ago with a couple of buddies of mine that made viral stuff. So we do a lot of commercial stuff and branded content. And I'm also a producer for features. I had a a film in Cannes this year called The Grief of Others, and I was a post-producer on a feature called Cretia that was also in Critics Week at Cannes. You are quite a busy man. So sorry to cut you off, didn't mean to. No, no, dude, it's all good. Um, But yeah, actually, you and I met four years ago, I think? Something like that, yeah. Somewhere. When I first started running the IIFF, you were one of my earlier speakers. I was, um, and I, yeah. I actually, you asked me to speak, and I had no idea what I was going to talk about, and I started drafting something that ended up becoming this viral article, and that brought me to South by Southwest, so I have you to thank for all of that. I would <laughs> well, all right, wow. so send them the invoice quick, Ben. <laughs> yeah, was it 10%? Something like that. Yeah. yeah. No, no. It was, uh, but it was great. I had never put those those thoughts to words, and uh, mm-hmm. by doing so, I kind of built uh, something that was a talk. And I went and I really depressed your audience, and I felt pretty shady about it. But <laughs> I think uh, I think it was a lot of fun. Yeah. That meeting actually ended up with a fair amount of long term contacts, and also a fair amount of people I've never talked to again. But anyway, that's enough about that. Uh, Well, actually, what I'd like is, Jim, can you kind of touch on the high points of your talk? I don't want you to rehash it now, but what is the essence of this wisdom that you have? Um, Well, I spoke two years in a row. The first year was about the digital recession, which is a term that Ted Hope, the producer who now runs Amazon, 
uh, he and I coined that with his article that I released through his blog, Truly Free Film, and he's a really awesome dude. And he and I were talking about these issues and why people seem to be ignoring these problems in the independent film community, like piracy or a lack of funding or the fact that people have the ability to spend years and years on a project and then never make any money from it. And that's very different from other artistic communities like carpentry. You would never imagine someone working for two years on a project and then make $5,000 from it, which is exactly what happened to us with our, our short animation. We spent 11 months in animation and two years working on it. And between the three of us, we made just enough money to travel to South by Southwest. So yeah, I mean, it's a it's a really scary market. And at least it was when I was really starting out. When I was vocalizing a lot of those ideas during the talk, I had no idea of how to make any funding. I don't think anybody did. Um, and it, it seemed like the people that were in charge didn't either with the DVD market failing as it is. And, um, and then the second talk that I gave last year, or rather this year, was uh, about blockbuster movies and how they've declined in quality and why they've declined in quality and how Marvel movies are, are really form fit for teenagers and we adults are treating them like they're real movies for whatever reason. I think what's really interesting about both of those talks is just the ongoing turmoil and transformation in the industry that we're kind of still experiencing. So, I mean, it's it's indicative of that is like we've heard hints of it in terms of of how big blockbuster films are just going to get bigger and more blockbustier. And then, you know, indie films are going to never hit the big screen. They're always going to be direct to video on demand or something along those lines. Do you see any trend in that regard? I mean, is there any hope for making a living at this still, or are you still, you still profess oh, sure. the dark days? Uh, yeah, no, no, no. And that's the other thing for me. Like, I think people usually put up the straw man argument against me and they say, well, it's much better than it was in the nineties. You know, now you can go out with a digital camera and make movies. Isn't that better? And I'm like, well, yeah, of course. And it democratizes film. And obviously I wouldn't be able to make a living doing any of the stuff that I was doing that I'm doing now in the nineties. Like I, I'm able to run two different production companies simultaneously because of the stuff I can do on a laptop or with like a DSLR. The ability to make films now is is so much more democratized and that's a really great thing. But it also means that you're far less likely to feed your children through a career in video because everybody can do it. So it is kind of two faces of the coin. I disagree with George Lucas and Steven Spielberg when they say that these big companies are going to fail and all it will take is I think Spielberg said four or five of these big blockbusters to to go bust, to flop for the entire company to fall apart. I think they're smarter than that. They're some of the smartest people in the room, and they have all of these really seedy ways to make sure that they'll make their money back. Uh, one of the ones that I exposed in the uh, in the South by exposed. One of the ones I talked about in my South by Southwest talk this year was the fact that they spend all of this money generating fake likes on Facebook and fake shares on Facebook because. If you see something being liked and shared, you're more likely to share it yourself because you think that this is something that's popular. And by doing so, uh, if a friend of yours sees that you like it on Facebook, they are 200 times more likely to go and see that film than if they saw a billboard for it. So there are all these like really seedy things that happen because of it that I don't think that this system will fail. I think it will keep churning out really mediocre content and pretending like it's amazing. And I also think that it's a really great 
opportunity for independent filmmakers to make stuff that is riskier, stuff that they can't do, that the big studios can't do. Like I'm not sure if you, I'm sure you guys heard about it, but the uh, Power Rangers video that went viral online was made by independent filmmakers, and it was really rough and really cool and risky and an uh, adult, and it it, an did, adult. it didn't have kid themes in it. It was complex. I saw that. Yeah, and the guys were going to get sued. I never followed up with what happened, but I'm not surprised that they were going to get sued because by doing that, by making something that you you know do with After Effects in your garage and putting it online and getting all these people to see it, you can actually undercut an entire corporation, a multi-billion dollar corporation, because they could never do something that cool because mm-hmm. they're, they're looking for a completely demographic. They have to sell tickets to 12 and 14-year-olds because they're the only people that are traveling to go see movies in hordes or buy princess dresses and superhero t-shirts. They don't care about the movies anymore. They just well, care about making yeah, that money. They care. They care about the entire thing. They're 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 also looking at the merchandising aspect of it. They right? are. They Sometimes are. only like like which would you rather? What do you think they care about? They can sell a ten dollar movie ticket or a sixty dollar princess dress. They don't give a fuck about the movies. They don't. <laughs> that's so true. Yeah. I, I think that I think that's our first bleep. How awesome! So are um, we going? We have to decide. I, do, I don't. I don't think we. I don't know. It's anyway. F bombs. Are what they are, uh, but no. so no, Ben, go ahead, man. Uh, sorry, yeah, I uh, on your note earlier, it's not quite just the twelve to fourteen year old demographic that uh, buys these superhero shirts. I should probably disclose I'm actually wearing one right now, but um, <laughs> the. <laughs> It, there's also the uh, fairly large and fairly loyal nerd contingent that goes out and sees these movies. But I agree, the quality, the overall quality has generally gone down, at least from a storytelling perspective. But in terms of a business perspective, I think what Marvel's done, at least for the Avengers Phase 1, was fairly innovative in terms of franchise management. No, um, it's the yeah. expendables. It's yeah. it's what it's Ocean's 11. It's what people yeah. have been doing for years. They put a bunch of sure. stars in a movie mm-hmm. and they can guarantee uh, foreign sales because there are explosions and there are actions. And like action mm-hmm. is now the easiest selling genre overseas because you don't need subtitles for an explosion. Yeah. So so I don't I don't think that that's fair either because if you were going to make like The Matrix is one of the best movies I've ever seen and it's uh mm-hmm. it's incredible because it's a it's an action movie that does incredible stuff that you've never seen on the screen but it brings stronger ideas to people that are paying for a similar product already mm-hmm. and that's just not something that you're seeing in in film nowadays because they don't care about the quality of the movies they just want to make something that's passable that that's- people will go and see and then they spend millions and millions of dollars advertising it like i think if someone were to make a new indiana jones or back to the future or the matrix and do all of the publicity that they're doing for the avengers it would be far more uh, a far bigger money maker than the avengers yeah but, but they don't I, I i agree that it could be a far more money maker if well done but Everything done is to these days is based on some sort of franchise, and there uh, there's no way you could get a studio head to approve something that didn't have an existing fan base just due to the fact that they need the entrenched eyeballs already. Uh, maybe I'm working in a different, and obviously I'm working in yeah. a different bracket of filmmaking, so I can't really speak too much about the multi-million dollar Yeah, budgets, I mean, it's not but... really where I work either. It's just I have a fascination with studio politics and how films get made. You should listen to my talk. I really yeah. I really rip on the Russo brothers pretty hard, and okay. it's something that is just a shocking 
development that they would be able to get access to directing the second Captain America movie. And now they're mm-hmm. signed for three more features, I think, through Marvel. And these are guys that made You, Me, and Dupree. What? And it has like a 21% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. It was like one of the only movies that they had made that was 90 minutes long. The, the studios just don't care about the quality of the content. Otherwise, they'd have hired other people to direct it. You know, it's just... And okay. it's, it's so strange. It's such a strange world that we live in. And so you kind of have to ignore it. It's like, okay, well, that's its own beast. I'm going to work on my own little movies and see if I can hijack that audience to watch mm-hmm. something stronger than or better for their brain than this brain sugar. Well, I think that's a very noble goal. Do you actually think it's an attainable goal? Do you think there are enough people who will watch the non-brain sugar I think so. I remember watching Danny Madden, who's the director at Ornana. I watched this movie of his called Another New Bike, and it's not online, and it's a shame. But it's a Spielbergian chase scene done on bicycles through a neighborhood, and it's a bunch of kids. Mm-hmm. And it has this like great classical score, and it has all of the fun that you know, like Indiana Jones has, or like any mm-hmm. of those early Spielberg chase scenes, and. Uh, and you don't need huge effects. You don't need any of that stuff. It's just about engaging an audience in a certain way and, and using the camera to tell a story and the pacing to tell a story. And mm-hmm. I don't know. I have huge hope for, for the future of making movies. I, I think that these tools that we're given now, these digital cameras that are in every phone, and mm-hmm. I, I think that, that we're going to be able to tell better stories and somebody's going to come along and, and do it. The dude, uh, Trey Schultz, the guy who won South by Southwest this year, made this movie called Cretia that I was very lucky enough to, to work on. And he made it in his backyard in like a bathrobe with his family. And it's going to be in theaters in January or February. It's such an incredible success story because the dude just focused on the right stuff, entertaining an audience, walking them through this roller coaster and... Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I think I still think that the skills are there. I mean, they're still really talented people, and they're being drowned out by these huge corporations. Well, okay. You you started to talk about the style of filmmaking, and I was instantly reminded of the film that was shot almost entirely using iPhones called Tangerine. Tangerine, and it's a, yeah. It's another one of these, it's an alternate way of getting the story told. And of course, the subject matter is riveting in its own way because it's these transgender but it's in LA and it's that whole, yeah. And it's like, it's just, it's a crazy premise that is gripping by itself. So anyhow, part of the the problem that we're out to solve both with film insight and with producer foundry is trying to plot a course through the evolving distribution scene. So if everybody agrees that blockbusters are what they are and they're not going away, how does a, a a person like yourself uh, find you know, a lucrative way to make a living at this and not be eating Top Ramen for the rest of their days. Well, I love Top Ramen, and I won't have to make fun of it. Um, no, I think, it, yeah, that's like the one question that I get. For whatever reason, I'm the lightning rod. Okay, so we're going to take a break here and uh, let people, I guess, Ben, talk in your ears. Maybe me. We'll see. We'll see how it turns out. But anyway, you're listening to Film Insight. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening to Film Insight. Producer Foundry does more than just blogs and podcasts. We also do workshops. Our next workshop is hosted by Producer Foundry founder, 
Ben The Voice Yenny, author of The Gorilla Rep, AFM Distribution Success on No Budget. Ben will be giving a basic overview of more traditional distribution and will be going over everything you need to know to approach and vet a distributor. The workshop is on September 5th in San Francisco, but if you can't make it, you can catch the replay on producerfoundry.com forward slash workshops. And we're back. Uh, we're just going to jump right back in with Jim because he's got a lot of great stuff to say. Independent filmmakers that will find me and they're like, how do you do this? How is this possible? How are you not living at your parents' house? And I've gotten close. But really, I mean, just diversifying what your skills are. Like we got very lucky because we found Reddit is this incredible blog that allows anybody to post whatever they want to certain communities. And anytime we put out something that's worthwhile, we'll post on it to like the filmmaker subreddit or the video subreddit and say, hey, you know, we just did this music video or we just did this this short film. And it's gotten traction. Like it's a great way to guarantee that at least a couple hundred people will see it. And if it's a commercial, that, that can help it to blow up. Or if it's a funny thing, like just a really great asset to, to be like a, a way to get into the film community. And it really is the front page of the internet. Like we've had stuff, just some of our videos be seen by hundreds of thousands of people overnight just by doing that, which is helpful. Like my buddy Danny released this animated film called Confusion Through Sand with the help of Vimeo. And we put it online and we posted it to Reddit and we got something like 120,000 people to see it. Maybe more, maybe it's 200,000 in the first day the first night or something then because of that in the next couple of months david gilmore's people the guitarist for pink floyd reached out and said would you guys be interested in animating this new music video for his solo album and so he did and we've been working on it for the last couple of months and they flew him to london to shoot the live action and then he's been animating for the last two or three months in la and so it's something that came about because of this online community and just by putting something up for free that we were passionate about, um, that gathered attention from people that wanted to hire us to make bigger stuff. And that's like, that's not my own advice. Like I stole that advice from Mark Duplass, who is famous for saying, make movies, not meetings. If you want to be a filmmaker, be a filmmaker. Don't talk about being a filmmaker. Go and make a movie and put it online. I think it's so easy nowadays. And it's also really easy nowadays for people to fall into the trap of like, oh, I should write this screenplay for two years until it's perfect. It's like, no, if you want to make a movie, grab a camera. There are plenty of them, you know? And yeah. I, I, like, that's always my advice to people. And I see so many people fall into that dreamer's disease trap of, of not doing stuff when they can be. So, uh, you know, and, and that's the same story that is told by the likes of Freddie Wong and that sort of thing on YouTube. Yeah. So, you know, it's not atypical to run into that where it's just like you put out good work. It can find an audience. But I think what's interesting is that you chose Reddit as your vehicle. We don't normally have, you know, I am a Redditor personally. I think my third cake day is coming up in the next uh, few weeks. But, right. you know, so, yeah, you know, I've been on for a while, but it's just it's another one of these things of like uh it's a different world and it's a different way and you're right and that the other thing i want to say about reddit is that 
news and current events break early on Reddit, and then you find them, they hit other social media outlets. They find other social media outlets kind of after that. So, I mean, there's a cross between Twitter and Reddit as to the immediacy. I just find it interesting that you chose the filmmakers subreddit to to push a lot of this onto. It's great. And it's like, I've made friends. We've like hired people through that subreddit to be like, we're shooting this feature. We need coordinators. I mean, it's such a great utility. But to answer your your larger question about how, like, what are the streamlined steps for filmmakers to make money or film producers to make money? I think that, like, I, I listen to these podcasts all the time. I listen to Tom Malloy's podcast. I'm not sure if you, you guys know that guy. He wrote this book called Bankroll about feature film financing. And he talks a lot about binding private investors that have large amounts of money and schmoozing them and trying to bring them into the film industry to make stuff. That's not been my market, and I usually I'm, – I'm, like, trying to do stuff like that. But right now, it's just, like, making commercials on the side and calling people. Going to con this year, I used this website called pdfsearchengine.org, which is an incredible resource if you want to get in touch with anybody. It allows you to search for PDFs that are usually hidden from the rest of the Internet. So you can just type in somebody's name and what company they work at and find press releases or whatever that has their phone number on it or their email address and give them a call or send them an email. So I was on PDF search engine and looked up con film buyers list and it's the entire film buyers list from con. So it's it's every territory in the world that's buying movies and every company in those territories. It's like 61 pages. I sent it to Ben last week. It's like this document that's been hidden from the internet, and you can just find these people. It has all of their phone numbers, all of their email addresses, and you can call them up and say, hey, we have this screenplay for an action movie, and we're getting this person attached. Give us 10% of the budget, and then go to the next territory. It's like a really great asset to sell a movie if you already have one, or pre-sell a movie, and you don't have to have $60,000 sales agent. There's like all of these things that are incredible resources that allow people like me and you guys to be your own film studio. We have everything else and money shouldn't be any different. Silence. So no, no, no. It's fine. I, I, <laughs> some of it is, uh, you know, I'm I'm taking it in from you know what you said. I think you're right in that, uh, you know, having a bunch of tools beyond the normal or outside of the norm that a Google search isn't going to turn these things up, but that you have this alternate technique and those tools are interesting in their own right. Ben, you got anything or are you? Uh, no, I'm pretty much good. Um, good. I, yeah. So, yeah, I think, Jim, you got to understand, this is uh, what what you're describing is actually really valuable to our listeners because mm-hmm. first and foremost, I think it's just reinforcing that notion of don't forget that filmmaking involves making, right? You got to actually go out and do it. And as opposed to just dream and think and write it. And, and and there's place for screenwriting. There absolutely is. I know that there's plenty of people out there making a living doing that. But it's an interesting viewpoint to have. So definitely hats off. I think this was really, really interesting. I know our sound engineer, Alex, is going to have conniptions editing it together. But that's that's his problem, not mine. So, Sorry, Alex. <laughs> so yeah, there you go. Alex got his, uh, his apology in early. So I want to thank you for being with us. I think this was really eye-opening. Where can people go to find out more information about what you're up to? Um, 
I'm on Twitter. You can find me at Jimmy C. That's me. Or go to unisonla.com, and that's our production website. And I'm really contactable. Like, I'm sure you guys can find me. I'm Jim Cummings, and I'm relatively easy to find. Do you want to divulge your Reddit name? Yeah, sure. It's Jimmy C. That's me. It's okay, so it's the same. Oh, mm-hmm. see, consistent branding. This is very smart. <laughs> <laughs> I want to Consistent branding from like a stupid, uh, stupid name I came up with in seventh grade. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, again, thank you very much, Jim. Thanks for listening as well. I think you might be the first person we've had on that actually also listens That's to the fan. podcast. Yeah. So um, hopefully there'll be more to come. Hopefully. Okay. Um, All right, guys. Yeah. Bye. Well, that was an absolutely fascinating conversation. I think Jim's a great guy, and yeah. more power to him for being able to find a way to make a living and doing what he's doing. And you know, and and again, it points to those happy accidents of you can be just putting out content, and as long as it's really strong and you're really trying to get it seen, sometimes it gets noticed by people that make a difference in your and transform your entire life. So, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, being able to get the guitarist from Pink Floyd to, to contact you and say, hey, can you make a music video for me is pretty yeah. impressive. I'm, I'm, Indeed. you know, if David yeah. Gilmore reached out to me and said, hey, would you do this? I'd be like, I have just made it. It's, it's yeah. more power to him for that. And it was very enjoyable. And I know Alex, uh, I feel, I feel for you, man, that you had to edit this thing together. So kudos so for, for making adi- that happen. So additional extra amazing props. We don't <laughs> always give Alex enough credit because he doesn't, he doesn't end up on the podcast, but Alex is our audio engineer. But he's he instrumental. Had, yeah. The show wouldn't be happening without him. I guarantee it you. It really so. wouldn't. Yeah, so, so. Thank you, Alex. Um, his LinkedIn is in the page here. Find him there if you want to hire him. You showed he's good. So uh, I've been, be- I am. Ben no, Yeni. no, no. Where, where are people going to go in the meantime? I, that's this show, but oh, I mean, you that's know, this show. Yeah, where yeah. are people going to go in the meantime? Exactly. People can go to producerfoundry.com to okay. find out some of my writing. There might eventually someday be an ebook up there. Sweet. A free one, in addition to my book, but that's another thing. So there's that, ProducerFoundry.com, at ProducerFoundry on Twitter, Facebook.com slash ProducerFoundry, and the Film Biz subreddit. Ooh, that's right. Yeah, since yeah, we're talking about Reddit, we're like, yeah, yeah, yeah we, we do have a subreddit. may not have anything on it. It has but, zero uh, on it, but, you know, at least we're at least we're trying. Um, so yeah. personally, you can find me online, Twitter, at Randy Hall. I know you have some Twitter. Ben has some Twitter. Ben's at the Gorilla Rep. Exactly. So, anyhow, um, that's this week. Uh, again, big thanks to Jim and to Alex for putting up with all of this terrible audio uh, chopping he has to do. And on my part, this is Randy saying bye, guys. This is Ben saying bye. See you in two weeks. <laughs> Come on, okay. Alex. Cut it together, buddy. Right. <laughs> I'm going to stop recording. Producer Foundry does more than just blogs and podcasts. We also do workshops. Our next workshop is hosted by Producer Foundry founder Ben Yenny. The workshop is on September 5th in Sacramento.